Welcome to the Faith Community Church Podcast, a ministry of Faith Community Church in South Boston, Virginia. We're glad you can join us as Pastor Dane Skelton shares a weekly message to encourage you to deepen your faith in Jesus Christ. Here's Pastor Dane. Kings, 1 Kings, chapter 19. Well, just like we heard from, um, from that uh, fellow there on the video, everybody needs to hear from God, and almost everybody talks to God. Uh, even atheists and agnostics talk to God. Newsweek magazine published something a few years ago called uh, the results of a survey called Talking to God, an Intimate Look at the Way We Pray. And they found that more Americans pray in any given week than work or exercise or even engage in recreation. And of the 13% of Americans who claim to be atheist or agnostic, one in five of them prayed every day. So almost everybody prays. And everybody needs to hear from God, especially in moments of crisis or need or decision. And that's why so many of us can identify with an ancient story found in 1 Kings 19. It is the story of Elijah the prophet. He was a man powerfully used of God in the time of the divided kingdom of Israel. Elijah's job was to stand and speak for God at a time of spiritual crisis and decision when Israel, which was being led by an evil king named Ahab and his even more malevolent wife Jezebel, Israel was riding the fence, sometimes worshiping God, but intertwining that with the worship of idols. And we pick up the story where Elijah has just come off a great victory on the Mount Carmel, and he has slaughtered a bunch of the, uh, the prophets of uh, the priests of Baal. But now he is exhausted, and he is on the run fleeing from the wrath of Jezebel. So pick it up in, Elijah, in uh, 1 Kings 19, verse 1 to verse 9. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. In other words, Elijah, you are a dead man. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the desert. He came to a broom tree and sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the tree and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was a cake of bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again, so he was really worn out. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, and strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and spent the night. Now let's stop there. Elijah at that point is an exhausted man. He is hunted by an evil queen and hounded by his own doubts and fears. And I want to ask if you can identify with that. Can you identify with ever being exhausted? 
Can you identify with having an enemy, someone who's out to get you? Can you identify with the fear and the doubt that goes along with that? That's all of the things that, those are all of the things that Elijah is experiencing. Now let's continue in the rest of verse 9 and following down to verse 19. And the word of the Lord, whoo, <laughs> the word of the Lord escaped, came to Elijah, but Dane's voice escaped. Excuse me. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broke down your, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. And I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. And the Lord said, go, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains. Now notice that as far as we can tell here, Elijah hasn't gone out there and stood in the mouth of the cave yet. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. In other words, there was no message for Elijah in that wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. I love how the old translations do that. A still, quiet voice. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Have we heard this before? Yes. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram, also anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel-Meholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. Did you catch the repetition? In verses 10 and 14, verse 19, by the way, says, So Elijah went from there, and he found Elisha, son of Shaphat. We'll come back to that in a minute. I think that the author has given us verses 10 and 14 in order to help us see Elijah's uh, emotional state of mind. He is so exhausted, he is so persecuted, he is so beaten down, that he's on what I call emotional autopilot, all he can do is all he can do. He's got this in his head. You know what he says there in verse 14. I've been very zealous. The Israelites have rejected you. They've broken down your altars. They're putting the prophets to death. I'm the only one, God. That's, that's all he can do. That's all that's happening in his head. He's kind of on emotional autopilot. But God has very, very powerful words of encouragement for him spoken in a still, 
quiet voice. And they basically add up to two things. Number one, Elijah, stop worrying. I'm appointing two leaders who will deal with Ahab and Jezebel. Stop worrying. Second thing, you aren't the only one left. In fact, you're not alone and you're no longer going to be working alone. You aren't the only one left. Now note also how the voice of the Lord came to Elijah in this crisis of faith. It was not in those elements that are associated with overwhelming power. When we're down, when we're beat up, when we're exhausted, when we're emotionally worn out, what we want is power. We want it to come on strong. And that's not the way that God answers Elijah. God spoke in a whisper, in a still and quiet voice. Now, we've been studying for the last two weeks how to receive guidance from God. And we've talked about what not to do. We don't want to push God's buttons. We're not trying to manipulate the supernatural for our advantage. That's, what's ma- that's called magic. And God will not cooperate with that. In fact, he'll judge that. Second, we've talked about it as well, the importance of using our heads, letting God transform our hearts and our value systems through his word so that we know how to make well-informed decisions from a biblical worldview. So we've talked about those two things, and those are essential. But now we need to know how to hear the still, small voice of God and how to listen for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. If you have uh, your bulletin insert there, the sermon notes, hearing the still voice, there's a quote from Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley is the man that God used to bring me back to Christ 32 years ago. And he was interviewed recently in Christianity Today magazine. And uh, Charles Stanley grew up in Danville. Did you know that? He's from Virginia. His, um, his, his father died when he was nine months old, and he was raised by his mother and his uh, Pentecostal holiness grandfather. And they were poor most of his growing up years. And he tells a story in this interview that uh, night after night, when everything that they needed, he and his mom would get down on their knees, and she would not let him go to bed before they'd gotten down on their knees and asked God to provide for whatever it was that they needed. And he said, I guess I just learned from that upbringing how to listen to God. But he said, this is what it's like for me. He was asked how he hears God's voice. I get this strong sense of feeling that's so clear, so direct to me, Like this week, something happened, and I thought, well, I could do thus and such. And God said, don't do that. I don't don't hear a voice, but it's so sharp and clear to me. I know not to disobey that. I think that comes from early in life as you learn to listen. You make mistakes, and after a while, you realize as you obey Him, it turns out right. And whatever your reason was for not obeying, it doesn't turn out right. I thought it was important that that, uh, Stanley says, you learn. You make mistakes, but you learn. And God works with you over time. We need to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. I believe that the Holy Spirit does offer to lead us, to guide us in our walk with God, that He is still speaking in that still, small voice. 
that Stanley describes actually is not a voice, but just something is so clear and so understandable. And I've listed actually on the sermon note page there practical steps. I was digging around in one of my journals, and those are sermon notes. What you're seeing there are my sermon notes from 30 years ago uh, from listening to Dr. Stanley. So I'm just going to talk about three of them this morning and urge you to take those with you and keep them in your Bible and uh, put them into practice. But one of the first things we need to do when learning to hear is we need to understand that being able to hear from the Holy Spirit is linked to our desire for transformation. Being able to hear from the Holy Spirit is linked to our desire for transformation. God is all about transforming His people. John Ortberg says that it is essential. Being able to hear from the Holy Spirit is essential to our transformation, and I agree. But a lot of us have have trouble with that idea. So he quotes uh, Lily Tomlin in the play, The Search for Signs of Intelligent Life in the Universe. He says, or she says, Why is it when we speak to God, we're said to be praying, but when God speaks to us, we're said to be schizophrenic? Well, the point is, is that we can learn to listen to God and not be crazy and not be children. Now, I know the kind of people that I'm talking to in, in, in this congregation. And I know that in this congregation, uh, as well as you would find in any other congregation probably in the world, you have really two different types of people. And I'm going to pick on my, my dear friend Jamie because I know uh, he won't charge me anything. Um, <laughs> Who are, who are concrete. <laughs> Turn me back up. <laughs> you have people like Jamie who are concrete, rational, and logical, and objective most of the time. And it, whatever needs, whatever he's going to, whatever decision Jamie Lane is going to make, he's going to make it based on sound information and logic and rationality and justice and fairness. Jamie is one of the uh, most fair-minded men that I've ever known. And then we have people in this congregation, like me, who are as emotional as the day is long. And I am up here one day and I am down there the next. And I am not concrete and rational and objective. I am emotive and expressive and intuitive, and I go with my gut 90% of the time. And every congregation has those kinds of people in it. There are probably some variations along a scale, but every congregation I've ever had anything to do with has those two, those two kinds of people in it, and they often end up in conflict because they don't understand each other. Well, guess what? I was thinking about this and praying through the message as the week went by, and uh, I realized that there are these two types of people are, are represented for us in Scripture. And when it comes to being able to listen to God, we need to understand these two types of people and take that into account, take into, the, into account the kind of pe- person we are as individuals and, and work on that. So the first type uh, is the Nicodemus type. The Nicodemus type. You know the story of Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus by night in John chapter 3. And let me just summarize it. 
In John chapter 3, you can read about it, verses 3 through 10. But he comes to Jesus by night. He says, hey, we know you're a man from God. You do all these fantastic things. And Jesus just blows him away and says, without even addressing that stuff, he just says, no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless he's born again. And Nicodemus is like, what? What? Jesus said, if you want to be a part of the kingdom of heaven, you, you must be born again. Don't be surprised. You shouldn't be surprised that I'm telling you this. And this is very difficult for Nicodemus's rational, logical, objective mind. And, he, and so he's being rational and logical and objective. And he's saying, so well, wait a minute. Are you saying a man's got to go in, back into the womb and be born? That, that can't happen. He's rational, he's logical, and he's objective. There's nothing wrong with that. And Jesus tells Nicodemus, Nicodemus, the wind blows where it will, and you hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. And Nicodemus, uh, I'm talking to you about earthly things. How are you going to understand if I, if I talk to you about spiritual things? I mean, I'm talking to you about earthly things, and you're not even getting this. So concrete, rational, objective people are not given to taking things on intuition or moving along with their impressions. And more than anything else, they are wary of emotionalism. Um, and they consider much of what is called hearing from God just sort of a Christianized version of fanciful, wishful thinking. Now, I don't, I'm not applying that to Jamie, so you let him tell, him tell you what he thinks about that. This is just what I've observed. But for those of you who are more concrete and rational and objective, here's my, here's my challenge for you and my urge for you. Consider what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus. Nicodemus, this stuff is real, but you might miss it if you try too hard to make it rational. Now, interestingly enough, since the 1980, and you guys just think I'm emotional now. <laughs> you should have known me when I was 20. Um, since 1980, I've been trying to go in Jamie's direction when it comes to operating with God. You know why? Because my friends that are like Jamie and Glenn and, and other people, they don't do this. It gets old after a while. It wears you out. You know, they're just more emotionally. It's a, it's a much more stable life. Um, but here's the problem: if you go too far in that direction, uh, well, and and here's the reason. Rather, I've told you the problems with that direction. Here's the reason: there's a sec. The second type of person, the people that are more like me, are the Corinthians. Do you know why Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians? Because they had problems. They had problems all over the place. Mostly because they were so emotional. And you know what he said to them? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 1, and 14, verse 20. I'm taking a long time with this, so I'm just going to ask you to trust me. 
Just look them up. 3 verse 1 and 14 verse 20. He has to tell the Corinthians twice, guys, stop thinking like children. Don't be children in your thinking. Be grown-ups. Think like grown-ups. Don't be so emotional. You know, you've got control over how you express yourself. It's time to put some of it under control. John told his, his readers, 1 John 4.1, test the spirits, don't go with everything, because emotive, expressive, intuitive types who are more likely to go with our gut and our impressions are often immature and too likely to make decisions based on emotion alone. And that's what I found happening in my life. I was so emotional, I was just going with whatever I felt. Well, that's called living on your feelings, not obeying God and listening to God. So we've got those two groups. We need to recognize that we're all here and together. (laughs) And all of us need to be listening for the Spirit of God to give us guidance. And that's one of the reasons that I preached those two sermons the last two weeks. uh, and The one on using your head, especially. Remember what Jesus said? He said, the counselor will come. It's a good thing that I'm going away. If I don't go away, the counselor won't come. But I'm going away, and when I go away, I'm going to send you the counselor. And he says, when he comes, he will be with you. This is in John 14, verse 20. He will be with you. You will know him like you do me, and he will be in you. And in that day, you shall know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Well, how will you know it? You'll just know. And the counselor, when he says counselor there, uh, that Greek word can be translated consoler, comforter, or advocate. What's an advocate? Well, he's like a defense attorney that sits next to you at the bench in in the courtroom and he advises you. He tells you what to do and what not to do in a legal situation. Or he's like a counselor or he's like a coach talking to a player on the bench. Or he's like a counselor to a king, like someone in the president's cabinet. He's giving advice. He's providing wisdom. He's giving perspective. He's understanding those things. He's there to counsel us about our lives. And one of the ways that he does that is when we feel what he feels. Have you ever done something and just known that God really didn't want you to do that? I mean, you did it anyway, and it's like, oh. How did you know? Look in Ephesians. We will turn here. Ephesians chapter 4. If you're a believer, I'm sure this has happened to you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let me read this. Verse 29 through 31. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Now, we just read the end of a very, very, of a, of a really long passage there that starts all the way up in chapter, in verse 17. 
And it follows this long list of fleshly behaviors that grieve the Holy Spirit. So that's why Paul gets down to the end of the passage and he says, don't do these things that grieve the Holy Spirit of God. You're, not, you're, you're a child of light now, not a child of the darkness. Live as a child of the light. Do you know, it, it, it's kind of like this. How do you know that God is, is, is unhappy? Because you feel when you've done something that's contrary to God's will and contrary to God's law in your life, and you belong to Him, and the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, He's grieved. How do we know He's grieved? We can feel it. I ran a yield sign yesterday. I mean, I was smoking coming on to 85 North because we were running behind my self-imposed schedule. And we had stopped at Chick-fil-A, and we got lunch, and we were trying to beat the, the Clemson traffic. And I, I had already, you know how you're driving, it's like, whew, made it out there before that whole line of cars. Hot dog, let's do it again. And I'm pulling on to 85, and I've got the yield sign, and I should have yielded, and I just nailed it. And there was a guy in, a, in, a, in an Acura, and he just looked, and he had the right of way, and I should have stopped. And he just looked at me, and I felt terrible. And... Um, he didn't say anything or make any motions, you know, but I just felt really terrible. And it wasn't really because the guy looked at me. You know, I just felt terrible inside. I knew that I was not supposed to do that. Do you know that um, horses are very, very sensitive animals? Really sensitive and aware of the rider's emotions. They pick up on, on the emotional state of the rider. If you're afraid and anxious, the horse is probably going to be afraid and anxious and jerky. If you're confident and cool and collected, the horse is going to read that with you and he's going to move with you and be okay. There's tons of communication that go on between an educated horseman or horsewoman and, and their pony or their horse, and it's all nonverbal. There's just an, an understanding there. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. He lives inside of me. And there's a tremendous amount of communication that goes on that's nonverbal. And we need to learn to listen to it. The Holy Spirit wants to guide us. Our transformation is one of his greatest concerns, Romans 8, 29. Um, he's, he's determined to conform us, transform us into the image of Christ. It just stands to reason that the more we are willing to be transformed, the more moldable we are, the easier it will be to hear Him and to respond to Him. So we need to be committed to the idea of, yes, Lord, I want you to transform me, and I'm going to cooperate with that. And I believe that we'll be more likely to be able to hear Him. Uh, second, Learning to hear from God calls for our attention. It calls for our full attention. Back in 1 Kings, you remember verse 11, God says to Elijah, um, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. What's he saying, Elijah? Give me your full attention. I have something to say to you. Give me your full attention. One of our problems with hearing the still voice of God is attentiveness. And we've talked a lot about this in, our, um, in this series on spiritual disciplines. Uh, Dr. Stanley calls this active listening, paying attention to what the Spirit is saying as we go through our daily routines. John Ortberg likens it to living on two levels at all times. 
the physical or the outward to us, the objective world, and the spiritual world at the same time. The Apostle Paul called it keeping in step with the Spirit. It is fundamentally an ongoing conversation with God. It's just You just always have God in your consciousness and talking to Him throughout your day and doing your best to listen. It's not, very, it's not easy. If you're, if you're deeply involved in solving the problems of life or running a business or whatever, your mind gets fully focused on whatever the thing is right there in front of you or whatever your task is. You go into a restaurant or you go into a, 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 a store to buy something, and instead of trying to tune in to what God may be doing uh, there in the life of the waitress or the person that's serving you, you're just intent, I'm intent on getting my biscuit. That's when I go in Bojangles, I want my biscuit. I'm not thinking about the, you know, the lady behind the counter. But God is wanting us to be in this conversation and say, God, what are you doing in this situation? How can I make myself available to you? How can I be listening to what's going on? We are easily detracted from the important things. Psychologists call it mindlessness. We're just going through our day not, not thinking, not mindful of, of what is really, really important. In George Bernard Shaw's play, St. Joan, one of the characters, asks Joan of Arc why the voice of God never speaks to him, and she claims it speaks directly to her, and she says, the voice speaks to you all the time. You just fail to listen. You're not paying attention. One of the spiritual disciplines is just paying attention and realizing, hey, you know what? God's here all the time, even in my workplace, even as I'm driving the car. As I'm I'm having this conversation with my friend across the lunch table, God's here all the time. And he's speaking, and I need to learn how to listen to him. Lastly, so let let me just apply that. Listen for God all the time, not just when you're in church or in your private prayer time, but listen all the time. Pay attention. Especially listen regarding ministry. Uh, one of my prayers this Lord is, this year has been, Lord, just help me to listen, because I know that I'm, I'm really not all the time. Help me to listen. So, so th- we need to learn to listen, and that requires, uh, the learning to listen requires a desire for transformation. We've got to be willing to say, God, I'm, I'm listening, I'm willing to be transformed. Second, we need to pay attention. It requires attentiveness. And thirdly, lastly, it requires obedience. It requires obedience. A willingness to respond to God. Get down there in verse 19 of 1 Kings 19. And it said, So Elijah went from there. And he found Elisha, son of Shaphat, as he was plowing with the yoke of oxen. And he himself was driving the twelfth pair. And Elijah went up and threw his cloak around him. Basically said, you're hired, kid. (laughs) That's the way they did that. And then he went and he did exactly the other things that God told him to do. He said, no self-pity, no more whining. Just get up, go do it. We need to obey the known commands. The things we already know God wants us to do. We talked last week about the importance of obeying what we already know in Scripture. So I won't, I won't belabor that. But I'll tell you a story about um, 
John MacArthur, I remember hearing this and it stuck with me years ago. A young man came to uh, Pastor John MacArthur. He's a radio preacher, very thorough. He writes incredibly thorough uh, commentaries. And he said, I feel like God's called me to be a missionary to uh, French-speaking Jews in France. And I need your help discerning in this discernment process. Can you help me? And John said, sure. So he started asking him questions. He said, well, are you obeying everything that you know in Scripture? And the the young man said, yes. And so John started listing off all these things. You know, are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you doing this? Are you obeying everything you know in Scripture? Yes, 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 yes. John said, do whatever you want. God already owns your heart. He's going to direct your desires. So the young man started to try to make his way over to France, and there's something happened, I don't remember what it was, and he couldn't make his way to France. He ended up in Ontario, Canada, with this whole community of French-speaking Jews. (laughs) And he stayed in Ontario, Canada, ministering to French-speaking Jews, fully confident that he was right in the middle of God's will. So are you obeying what you already know? And second, are you obeying when it doesn't make sense? That, this is probably the one that gets, it's hardest for me. Are you obeying when it doesn't make sense? In Acts chapter 8, uh, Philip, one of, the, one of the deacons who's been dispersed because of the persecution of the early church, he's out there doing his thing in Samaria. He's preaching in Samaria, and there are... Uh, People are getting saved. I mean, it's just remarkable. And God is doing these miraculous things through Philip. I mean, people are getting healed. Demons are coming out of people, you know, screaming and screeching as they come out. It's just awesome. So much so that Peter and John are going to come down and help. And in the middle of all this, um, God says to Philip, he just speaks in his spirit, says, go down to such and such a road. And if I'm Philip, I'm going like, now? I mean, leave this place and go to this other place. But God, there's all this cool stuff happening. Leave this place and go to this other place. Okay. He goes down there, and then he sees this chariot going down the road, and he says, attach yourself to that chariot. And that's when he leads the Ethiopian eunuch, the official in Candace's court, um, into the kingdom of God. Sometimes the, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you and he's going, to, he's going to urge you to move in a direction that doesn't make any sense to you. You know, it's a learning process. Let me just urge you to do the same thing I'm going to do or same thing I'm going to try to do next time this happens is just say, okay, well, that doesn't make any sense to me, but I'm going to do that. Here's the deal, guys. You probably won't die, okay? You probably won't even be embarrassed. But you may see the power of God, and that's worth it. So, God's voice in our lives is absolutely essential. We need it in order to be transformed in order to carry out and pursue the paths that he has for us. We need to learn to hear him speak so that we can be transformed. 
and to listen for him all the time in every circumstance, not just in church, not just in your prayer time. And we need to obey. And the more we obey, the more we will understand. So let me just ask you to bow your head and pray right now, and let me pose uh, three questions. Number one, where is the, God, the voice of God speaking to you today? Is he calling you to respond to the message of Jesus? To say, yes, Lord, I agree with you that I have sinned and have no hope apart from you, and I want you to come in and take over. Is that what he's saying? Then it's time to say yes. Or maybe he's saying, there's so much in my word that I would say to you that if you would only pick it up and read it. Or maybe he is saying to you, you are not alone. I have 7,000 who have not yet bowed the knee to Baal. Pick up yourself. Pick yourself up and get moving. Let me just give you some time to talk to God and listen. Blessed Holy Spirit, we're here today and offering ourselves to you to listen. Father, you said that you live inside of us. Help us to not be afraid. Oh, boy, are we afraid. We're afraid you're going to ask us to do something crazy. Um, But we know that you are tender and kind and gentle. And so we trust ourselves to you and just ask that you would speak to us. Help us to hear and help us obey. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about Faith Community Church, you can find us online at fccsobo.org or on our Facebook page by searching Faith Community Church. As always, God loves you, we love you, And we hope you have a wonderful week.